see you all this morning. Merry Christmas to you all. I had a chance to do that appropriate this, appropriately this year. We're grateful um, for the opportunity to gather together um, as God's family and um, worship the Lord. Welcome to all of you who have traveled in. We're especially glad you're here, our guests. We pray you feel a warm uh, welcome and God's gracious favor today. It's always good to be here. I bring you greetings on behalf of my family this morning. Um, pray you have a rich and um, grace-filled season together. We are especially grateful this morning for all of you and for your prayers for us over these last couple of weeks. We have felt in profound ways God's personal presence through your words, through your cards, your notes, your text messages, your calls, your gifts, uh, the meals that were brought to our home, the loving expressions of comfort and understanding. We do not have words to express our deep gratitude to all of you and to the Lord um, for his ministry to us through you. So thank you so much, um, each and every one of you. Um, in the midst of all of this season, and these last couple of weeks, there were a couple of occasions where my son Jonathan got scared in the night. He's eight years old, in his own little way, trying to manage and navigate his way through everything. And so we had a couple of tender moments, and in those moments at night when he was frightful, he didn't need me to walk in and pop in one of my sermons into his, you know, Barney player or something. You know, listen to this, this might help. He also didn't need some sort of rebuke. Um, you know, in exhorting him to be more rational in his fears. He didn't need that either. Or an intellectual explanation as to, you know, maybe why he shouldn't be afraid. No, what he needed was a point of reference that somehow brought some perspective. He needed truth. He needed my presence. He needed a calm word. Just someone to be there. And don't we all? Life takes these kind of fearful turns. Uncertainty abides around every bend, especially, it seems, during particular times of the season. And around the bend of eternity, who knows? And it's difficult, honestly, um, despite technology and despite the uh, enormous outflow of information that comes our ways through so many different avenues and portals, it's, it's very difficult at times impossible to distinguish fact from fiction, fantasy from forensics, fortune from fate, all of these things. But I'm thankful today, as we look into God's Word, that there is a way. Truth can be determined, truth can be discovered and relied upon in the midst of whatever swirls around us. Uh, my good friend Lawrence Cross is in the back, and uh, he's been by my side in so many different ways for almost 30 years now, and he helps us in our ministry. But he's also um, a pilot, and he's gotten his various levels of um, flight credentials, and um, we were just talking um, about what it feels like to fly through the clouds and how important it is to be able to rely on fixed points 
to look at instruments when you cannot see into the horizon in order to keep your bearings. That's what truth does. When we're flying through the clouds, and no matter what the circumstance or the scenarios, truth helps us keep our bearings. And this story that I want us to look at this morning is so fitting in so many different ways from Matthew chapter 1, which I'll invite you to turn there if you have a copy of the scriptures. This is kind of a final kind of point at the end of this great series, Light Pierces the Darkness. I'm thankful to Brett Parks and Adam Connor for carrying the load of preaching these last several weeks. I'm very grateful for that ministry and humbled by it. And I know you have been blessed by the ministry of the word, so I'm thankful. But today I'd like us to look at this story. It's the story of a man, a young man, kind of sailing through life with a couple of things on his horizon and then an unexpected turn of events befell him. And it's a mystery how this all unwinds, but I want us to look at it. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, I'd like to just read the story. Listen to the words of Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. That's the young man. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> There's a pregnancy. An unexpected pregnancy. Right smack in the middle of the strictest um, religious culture you could possibly imagine. And a young man with his whole future in front of him. That's the situation. That's an unexpected turn. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace meaning within the religious community, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, before we look at this story a little more closely, I would like to point out a couple of things about the nature of truth. First of all, it comes to us from God. And it's given to us in the form, first of all, of the written word. The word of God is truth from God. This comes from heaven. This is his revealed truth. David exclaimed in the Psalms, the law of the Lord, that's the word of God, that is the scriptures, the law of the Lord, the Lord is perfect, restoring my soul. That was his conviction about the power of truth into his life. Wonderful. And it rings true 
In all of our settings, all of our scenarios, there's something about the biblical story, the refrains of Scripture that strike chords in our hearts and our minds, especially when we're in the clouds. It's relevant, it's precise, it's genuine, it's transparent, and it cuts a path. It helps us see clearly, and we can, re- we can maintain our bearings no matter what. That, that's the nature of truth. And there's certainly something mysterious but also relevant in this kind of bizarre story of a young man who, who thinks he's engaged uh, to a, a very virtuous woman, but yet she's found with child in the midst of a, a, of a very oppressive religious environment, and all of a sudden, everything changes. And he starts to consider these things. Man, I can relate to that. I mean, who doesn't do that? When all of a sudden, the ground starts to shake beneath your feet. What man doesn't start to consider things? And I just need to think about this. There's got to be a different, there's got to be a way to, to fix this, to work this out. That, that's what Joe, he's considering this. He's, he's formulating a plan. He's, he's taking all of these details into consideration. The fact that, that he's a young person, he has a bright future ahead of him. He's in this very strict religious enclave. He's responsible now for a young woman, but she's pregnant. He doesn't understand how that's possible. And so he's considering these things. That's what we do. That is the human spirit. That's our instinct, is to think through life. Especially in the clouds. Now that's relevant. But what happens next is remarkable. Because while he's in that process, truth comes to him, supernaturally revealed through an angel in a dream. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. This is God. In the middle of the mundane comes spirit, breaks in. This is life. This is how God works. It always comes from God and from his spirit. And it's, it's miraculous. It's the supernatural experience that God has made a way for us and has called us all to follow in and to experience. And it's grace. It's grace amidst disgrace. John says that this word that was veiled in the supernatural realm, actually took on flesh, became flesh, and dwelt among us. That's just like living with each other. That's what it means. The veiled supernatural God came, took on flesh, and moved in. (laughs) Like relatives. Came full of grace. And truth. That's how he always comes. Grace into disgrace. Grace is from God. Disgrace is human. Grace gives 
Disgrace withholds. Grace brings life. Disgrace brings shame and brokenness. And here in Joseph's story are these two opposing powerful realities. And I guarantee you that you, if you are breathing, are experiencing one or a measure of both now just a few days after Christmas. Either fully experiencing grace and favor or feeling the relentlessly kind of painful draw of of being in the middle of disgrace because of your circumstance. You're somewhere in between, but regardless of the intensity of your situation, the confusing tensions of your conscience, the needs of your family, of all of these considerations, your future, God comes to you. Wrapped in the mystery of this season, in truth, shrouded in the wonder of the incarnation, and he says to you, and he says to me, Do not be afraid. I am here. I'm in this. I'm all over this. What is happening to you is from me. And there is a greater purpose. And what feels like disgrace and fear, confusion... Chaos is actually going to work to reveal something about you and about me. We need God. We need God. We don't need a God. We need God. We first recognize that our lives, our situations are perfectly ordained and ordered by God to draw us to himself. What an astounding change of circumstance for Joseph and for Mary. He thought he was just going to get married. God had other plans. He usually does. But God speaks into Joseph's life. He, this, this young man had to make a choice. He was either going to operate and continue out of this kind of human deposit of emotion and anxiety and fear and all of this other calculation, kind of figure it out on his own, con- continue to consider this, as Matthew says, or he was going to trust God. God says, listen, Joseph, don't be afraid. Take, take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her, listen to this, is of the Holy Spirit. This is supernatural, what you're experiencing. I'm all over this. This is from me. And she's going to actually give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Yeshua. Because he's the Savior. He's going to save his people from their sins. What a vision. What a clarion, clear Delivery of truth in the midst of the clouds for Joseph. God speaks. Perfectly ordained and ordered by God in order to to do something magnificent as a result of this circumstance. Um, This is going to happen. And this is what God does. He, he always speaks truth into the midst of that the confusion. By the way, you need to know there's another voice that is continually speaking as well. It, it, also a God, but it is a, the God of this world. The Bible calls him Satan. 
But when he speaks, he never speaks truth. Do you know this? This is what the scriptures teach us. God is truth. He always tells the truth. It may not be what we want to hear, but it's always truth. The opposite is also reliable information for you. And that is Satan continually speaks. But what he says are lies. It's never true. It is, mean, it is meant to confuse all the more. It is meant to bring even more anxiety. It is meant to raise your level of fear and worry and anxiety, anxious thoughts. Those are never from God. Two opposing voices. God says to Joseph, don't be afraid. If you, do, if you hear anything other than that in the midst of your circumstance, whatever it happens to be, you can know for certain it is not from God. It's not his voice. Truth comes from God, and it's in the midst of his perfectly ordained and ordered process by him in order to draw you to himself and to carry out a magnificent purpose that will ultimately bring glory to his name. Second, you need to know that you must not be afraid to obey God. To do what he says, even if it defies logic and all of your religious sensibilities or your own intellect, common sense, whatever, your family's wishes and dreams for you. You cannot be afraid to obey God when he speaks truth to you. The angel said, don't be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary as your wife. Who was he afraid of? Well, there were a lot of people Joseph could have been easily afraid of. The religious establishment, his family, I mean, just you name it. He had plenty of options to be afraid of. And the angel said, no, don't be afraid. This is what you need to do. Take her home. Make her your wife. And when she delivers this boy, you name him Jesus. Don't go through the a thousand and one most popular names book. It just Name him Jesus because I've got a plan. I'm in this. And don't be afraid to obey God. Some people hear so clearly from God what he wants them to do, but because of fear, they don't obey. Do what's right. Trust him. He's in this. He, he has a plan. And then the most obvious point of this whole story is the plan is for a savior. You need a savior. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Yeshua because because he will save his people from their sins. This is a savior. You need a savior. The name means deliverer because that's what he's going to do. He's going to deliver people, his people from their sins. What is remarkable to me is that even on this day, that we are here together in this place. Literally hundreds of thousands of Jews in Eastern Europe, in Palestine, in Jordan, in South Korea, in South America are going to trust Yeshua as their Savior because of the witness of the gospel. Did you know that? He is still saving his people from their sins. The plan was for a savior. 
I've been reading an autobiography of Frank and Marie Drown. We all know them, most of us here. It's an amazing story. A young couple who left everything to go down to the harsh jungles of Ecuador to reach the Ashawara Indians with the gospel. This was a violent tribe. It's a hard story to read. What compelled them, Frank and Marie, to spend their lives to bring their children into the dark and dangerous jungles of Ecuador? It was Matthew chapter 1. They were compelled by these people who were in desperate need of a Savior. Because left in their sins, God says, they will die. Not just physically, but eternally. The scripture says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Yeshua. You will call his name Yeshua. Joseph, don't be afraid to obey God because I have an eternal plan. He is going to save people from their sins. That's his name. His name is Jesus. The story continues, Acts chapter 16. If you want to just hold your place in Matthew 1, go to Acts chapter 16 just to see how this kind of plays out. And it continues to this day. Acts chapter 16, a little to the right in your New Testament if you have a copy of the Scriptures. This is the story of Paul and Silas. And of course, they're in jail, they're in prison. Many of our brothers, by the way, in Christ are in prison today. They're in jails sitting in chains because of the gospel. They are all over the world suffering for his name, unlike, not unlike Paul and Silas. And here they are in verse 25. I want you to watch this. Acts chapter 16, 25. Luke says that about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God in prison. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Now that, that's obvious. They, they, they were singing at the top of their lungs hymns and and praise and worship songs so all of the other prisoners were listening to the witness of these men's uh, these men uh, singing suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken see this is god this is spirit at once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose now that's a miracle That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Breaks in at that moment, shakes the earth. All of the prison doors and all the chains of every prisoner came loose at that moment immediately. That's power. That's spirit, you see. That's God moving in to that situation. The jailer, this is the story about the jailer. The jailer woke up. I'm not sure why he was sleeping amidst all this, but he woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. That's the response of fear. He knew he would have lost his head had his authorities saw that he was sleeping on the job and these prisoners had gone loose. So he was about ready to take his own life in the midst of all this chaos. Paul shouts, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Now that's truth. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
They replied, go to church. I got your attention, don't I? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She gives birth to this son. You shall call his name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. What do I need to do? Believe in Jesus and you will be saved and your whole house. Do you know how profound the impact of a man who believes the Lord on his whole house. Believe the Lord. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your whole house. Instead of just always figuring it and considering it and you know trying to rack your brain how to work this out and how to pull this string and how to pull yourself up and put this back together. God says, believe, trust, trust what I say. And and I will save you. I will deliver you. I will provide for you and your whole house. Your whole house. I'll tell you what I discovered these past two weeks, and I discovered it anew. I need a savior. So does my whole house. My wife and my children don't need any more of me wringing my hands and racking my brain and considering all of these options. What they need is for me to believe. Believe God. Believe in the Lord Jesus and his power and his wisdom, his provision. I have a funny story from Swindoll. It cracked me up. always did. So there was a guy on the top of a roof of his second-story home putting up a television antenna. (laughs) An old guy up there trying to do it all himself. Large and tall, he was trying to attach the guy wires from the antenna to a section of the roof, and the wind started to blow, and it started, made it more difficult. And suddenly, he started to slip, and he slid down the roof until he caught himself on the little metal rain gutter that went around the eaves of the second floor. So he's just dangling there in the wind and the rain. And in a panic, he held on, and he screamed up to heaven, Is there anybody up there who can help me? And a voice from Kevin came, I can help you. Well, what am I supposed to do? Well, let go, and I'll catch you. Is there anybody else up there that can help me? (laughs) That's so human nature. We will never experience the power and provision, peace, faithfulness, and grace of God until we let go. let him do what only he can do. And I'm here to tell you, you 
authority of God's word. God will do anything he needs to do to get you to that place. Because what you need and what I need and what our whole house needs is a Savior. His name is Jesus. I'll be honest. Your old pastor went weak in his knees. Lost my bearings this week. <laughs> <laughs> 